0: i'm red and i'm yellow and this is the colors podcast so today womp womp, we don't have blue but today we have red and yellow and red makes orange and orange is my favorite color <laughs> along with yellow <laughs> so <laughs> um boom we're talking about anxiety specifically in the lens of uh, placed by this article titled I'm not a bad person but mental illness has made me a bad friend it was written by Carly Bigelow um, about it, more than a year ago here's a piece from the article I know I've, spe- I know I've spent a fair bit of t- I know I've spent a fair bit of time convincing myself of the opposite that as the wounded party I can't possibly be the one at fault but that's not true as much as I would like to be blameless I'm not I've had depression and anxiety for over half of my life it's been with me through two cross-country moves, high school and university, the beginning of my career and now into my marriage. And it's shaped me. It's taught me things like the importance of asking for help and respecting my limitations. It's made me stronger, more empathetic, and more self-aware. It's also at times what made me a very bad friend. All right. So by so bad
1: friend, she's talking about like it's made her selfish, so by bad it made her mean, yeah. and that's like a symptom of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, It's made her exhausting, unpredictable, which I highly relate to. And due to it, it just kind of made her, it put a lot of conflict in her friendships. Uh, So, like, with my experience with this, like, I know that I can be very unpredictable as a friend. Start to make assumptions about what my friends are thinking when I'm experiencing symptoms. And then I start to, I don't, tell them what I'm feeling because a lot of times like it's I don't think that people would actually respect that I feel that way because I know my symptoms sometimes overhype certain things like the way people say
0: stuff so you're afraid people won't understand so you start acting on behalf of what you think they don't understand to make them more comfortable uh,
1: Absolutely, absolutely yeah. and then I react I start to like lock myself off from them because of how i feel and then like if if it comes into question because my friends like to communicate and like to ask questions of course i'm gonna like i blow up because i'm like you know what's the problem you're you're okay so i'm hearing
0: (laughs) i'm hearing two things i'm hearing when your symptoms come up or when something is triggering you try and either hide it or just not explain yourself to your friends in order to protect them, or in order to, com- uh, you know, to continue their comfort, or to make sure that they're not—and I've heard you use this word, burden. So when that happens, and then when they ask you questions, so that they're so they're more aware and more informed, you get frustrated because, well, don't you understand? Don't you see? Yeah. Which is like it's very interesting, and she kind of hits on this in the article um, with the unpredictable piece and the. Um, making her mean because now you're reacting because one of i think one of your triggers for you personally you've said that one of your triggers is like not feeling understood or feeling that people are um not taking the time to like hear you out and what you have to say so it's almost like a very like mean cycle that can easily divert to another portion of the cycle you know
1: No it absolutely is like I think the biggest thing is I'm very self-aware of my emotions I think she said that in the article as well she's very self-aware yeah she says
0: it's taught me things like the importance of asking for help respecting limitations making me stronger more empathetic and more self-aware yeah
1: yeah absolutely and I can I know that I I know that I experience uh like when I have depression I know that it makes me question my friendships. It makes me question people's behaviors, uh, their choice of words, their—what um, do you call those? Their uh, gestures and such.
0: Like their there, um, body language, social cues, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it makes me think that, um, like, if I—like, I'm reading into, too much into it, so I don't even want to share that I'm experiencing— like that i don't i don't even want to share how i feel because i think it might be mythical but while oh. i oh that's powerful believe while i do while my my logical brains like saying that it's mythical my oh wait heart... wait
0: i want to pause you you said you called them your logical friends
1: oh excuse me <laughs> my logical like brain like my okay okay yeah okay so my logical brain thinks it's mythical my heart my spirit is saying no this is true so i start to you know i actually start to believe the 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 what i'm feeling mm-hmm. but i don't share it because my logical brain says no like this is mythical and it's not worth sharing yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yet it bottles up and when my friends you know uh when my friends confront me about it mm-hmm. i blow up because i'm like don't you know don't you see what you've done like You know, like, don't you understand that I'm angry or Mm. that I'm feeling this way? Mm. And they have no idea. And half of me also is like, no, you didn't have any. Like, you did tell them. So then it's like this cycle of shaming while also resentment towards my friends. Mm. And I feel like it's made, it's put a big wedge in my friendships. Would Would you say that
0: most of your conflicts in your friendships, if any, come from lack of, or your friends lack of understanding of what your triggers or symptoms are or would you say the conflicts come from a source of you not communicating what you need or what you expect from them in certain moments for example it could be something as small as um, planning a road trip and let's say that you really want to go to the beach but i really mm-hmm. want like a me and uh, the rest of our friends really want to go to the mountains. Would it be more of a concern or would it would you be which is more of your conflict from you not being able to communicate, "Hey guys, i really want to go to the beach." Or is it more of, "Can't they see i really want to go to the beach, but i'm just don't have the tools enough to like speak up and communicate exactly what i want?"
1: Yeah, so i know that majority rules. So every so if you guys want to go to the mountains, that's what we're gonna do because logically majority rules. Mm. But then the other side of me is like, do they not respect me as a person? And you said mm. catering, like they they don't want like they they don't want to cater to me because they don't have to. But it's like, why do I feel this way? Why mm. can't you know? Why is it never like why is it never my choice right. of where we're going to go? So it's like half of me is like, it makes sense. Of course mm. we're gonna go to the mountains if all of you want to do that. Right. but then at the same time I feel like maybe I'm not important enough to uh, for you to to want to go with my plans so assuming att- intent again assuming intent I looked up this one it says put simply where anxiety is a sense <laughs> of fear crumbles. and apprehension <laughs> that
0: puts you on alert biologically it's meant to put us in a heightened sense of awareness so we're prepared for potential threats so when I think of that I think it's it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like an elongated version of stress and for you, like this says, a heightened sense of awareness so it's prepared, it's prepared for, we're prepared for potential threats. You assuming intent. You're preparing for the potential threat. Yeah. Well, that's the reason why. Because <laughs> you don't care about me anyway, so boom. <laughs> mm. And it's like the, it's <laughs> operating on the defense before there's any reason to be defensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it says on its face anxiety can look like stress but the reality isn't so simple anxiety can arise as a result of stress but stress can manifest in other ways stressors can make a person sad angry worried or anxious while anxiety is specifically that feeling of fear dread and apprehension we mentioned you may never even know that what's causing your anxiety or in some cases it can manifest on its own without any real quote trigger or cause Stress is often caused by external influences While anxiety is an internal response That to me is like the bread and butter Right there Stress is often external Anxiety is internal But I think where anxiety can get a little uh, uh, oh, I know, Tricky I, Is like yeah. sometimes We use the external as this excuse For our internal responses
1: Ooh, yes yes I can you know snap for that um, <laughs> <Set>. No seriously <laughs> no seriously that's what that that is like I know that whatever I'm feeling and like I said I was a psychology major in uh, college I was aware of those symptoms and so when I would start to feel a certain type of way I knew it wasn't really based and it may not have well I wouldn't say really not all the time but it wasn't always based in something that was real. That's why I brought up the mythical piece. The logical brain said it was mythical. However, I would find things in the environment to attach it to, to attach my mythical feelings, to kind of put, yeah. you know, you know, to kind of blame it. And when you have really good friends, they they see the they see they see <laughs> the facade. They see it. Oh, call call real good friends. <laughs> Yellow,
0: that's you. <laughs>
1: They call you out on it, and I'm drinking some that's tea where on. I start to feel you don't understand me. You don't mm-hmm. care about me. You don't. You don't know what it's like to constantly have a battle in your brain where you're like, no, this is mythical. No, it actually is real. Where do, where do I draw the line? Where, mm-hmm. What do I? What do I need to advocate for myself? Mm-hmm. Or what do I? What renders advocacy, mm-hmm. and what needs to be pushed away into the wind Mm. and so I would push away things into the wind that may have needed to be I may have needed to advocate for myself Mm. or at least even if it wasn't necessarily a real problem, share it and come come to a solution with my friends and I would do neither I wouldn't share it nor will I come to a conclusion or problem Mm. solve I would just I would hold the feelings and then let it explode. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really, that's where the unpredictability unpredictability comes in. Yeah. It's like, what are you thinking? Yeah. She's not going to share what she's thinking. She's going to explode later. And that's, it's tiresome. Okay. That's okay. exhausting.
0: So I have, I have, I had thought of two questions while you were talking. One, I know you opened up the podcast saying that you were diagnosed with anxiety three years ago. Mm-hmm. This could be a quick closed or open D- do you feel like now that you know what it is do you feel like you've had it longer or pre your actual diagnosis or do you feel like it was occurring in your early 20s because you're twenty. Well, you're 25 now uh just had her <laughs> birthday leo was good Leo season. <laughs> um do you feel like the symptoms started coming up in your early 20s then you went to go get help and that was your diagnosis? Or do you feel like you've had those symptoms way longer before your diagnosis?
1: Look, I've honestly, like looking back into my childhood, um, more so I would say like, when I say childhood, I'm talking about middle school. I, I've definitely had them for longer. Uh, I didn't have a really big group of friends growing up, so I didn't have those expose, those exposures to really you know, show me that, I was being anxious. Mm. I had, a, I was a, I'm the oldest sister. Uh, you know, I was, had a lot on my, on my hands. So it's like when I did show anxious symptoms, sometimes it was taken as, um, as truth or as there was not too many people to, I guess, to counter me mm. in those feelings. So I adopted them as, a reality Mm. and I didn't realize until college and I now that you bring that into question really until I had a really good group of friends who exposed me to me yeah and that's when I was like maybe I need to get help because I when you ride solo or when you are the one in charge you don't got nobody to put the mirror to you right right you know
0: no one's mature enough or Aware enough to put the mirror up in front of you or st- strong enough, quite frankly. Do you th- well, okay? I'll say it. Do you think people abuse the? the I know exactly what you're saying. Okay, okay, do, do okay. You okay
1: think, you see do where I'm you think going. they abuse <laughs> you? Do you think they? Uh, use their uh, anxiety as a crutch oh no i was gonna say oh.
0: almost like a hyper like oh it's my anxiety it's my anxiety it's my anxiety which yes it's a crush crutch but um what i'm saying is is like those who have not even been diagnosed people who are just living you know who just are looking for something to name it mm-hmm. and not getting the help so that they can properly name it and figure out productive solutions but they're just using it as like a well, that's because I'm anxious because I come into that a lot. People are like, that's my anxiety. I'm so anxious, but they haven't had an official diagnosis or evaluation or anything like that.
1: So being a victim is an identity. Whoa. It, it, it's an identity in that it, it allows you certain privileges and it could be, it requires less work. They say when you want Whoa. things to get better, you have to go through the storm. If you choose for it not to get better, well, your complacency can allow you to feel safe Mm. uh, in that you don't have to challenge yourself. If you don't challenge yourself, there's no failure. Mm.
0: Um, This is good. This is good soundbite shit right here. (laughs) 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 Uh, um,
1: Unfortunately... (laughs) Unfortunately, um, and, and, and on a more serious matter, for the longest time, I think about it and I'm, I can only speak to my experience. I didn't get help because it felt safe to say, oh, it's just my anxiety. That way, when you put the, that, that, that word on there, when you put that word there, it makes it almost no one can debate that, right. if especially if they don't experience anxiety themselves. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Now I must support you. Mm. Now I must, you know, now I must leave or, or, or simply if not supporting, I'm going to leave you alone
0: because mm. now
1: that you've said that, there's nothing I can do about it. Mm. And so when you don't receive help for it, you get to live with that safety Mm. as opposed to when you're in front of a psychologist or therapist or counselor Mm -hmm. who is trained to identify you in that way they begin to see the mythical nature of Mm. that anxiety and or what those triggers and it's hard to part with them especially If you look back on your life and much of your experiences were based on them. Were you ever grateful for your sadness? Pillars of tears cemented into steps, both grounding and to elevate you, safely yes while you feared, to higher ground and now you see from new height, Even when you crouched? And did your anger make you stand tall when kicked down? Make steps from the tears ever more flow, and on its pillars of mass, stand taller than you had before. Perhaps push the hand that made you fall? even if your own? For, while your tears built a pillar for which to stand, did not your vulnerability urge you to reach out your hand, both your hands, to balance in the shadows of a fog, find something safe to lean on, such as the sturdy shoulder of a sister, that rock of a mother, the solid assurance of a closed door, the soft, bended, and ever so buoyant nature of a friend? Were you grateful? As grateful as the pains and aches of a stomach that need to be fed so in that you would procure your hungry and return full, were you grateful for your pain like the coming of your joy?